This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, today we've got an incredible episode. This one is a behind the scenes with Close Road. Close Road, yeah. And you wonder, who is Close Road? Yeah. Property manager. Property manager. He's been on, he's, <laughs> he's a past guest, one of the best in the business. He's been on talking about the market before, but he's coming back today to talk about the market, but also to give some secrets to people with investment properties that are looking to find tenants themselves. Yeah. How to limit your risk and limit the stress involved with renting a property. You know, a lot of people out there have been through that. You've you've had issues with tenants. You've had issues with finding you know, the right tenant, finding the right tenant, getting the damage. best rent. Yeah, and you know what? To be honest, here we had to really twist Klaus's arm because he did not. He does not like giving away secrets. He did. He was like, "What is? I don't want to come on the podcast and give away secrets." Yeah. But, uh, also, he doesn't like the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that came out. Yeah, 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 that was <laughs> that also that was hurtful. Out, yeah. uh, anyway, so we got Klaus, so that's going to be great. Looking forward to having him on. But Matt, before we get to our interview with Klaus, what's been going on? I'm in your trying life? to remember if we've ever talked about what's up hot dog before. Oh man, what's up hot dog is uh, one we, of my we, favorite I think, places I think in the city. I think it may have come out in a in a old episode, but yeah, yeah. I mean, last night I uh, we, we don't have any ownership or any stake in. No, the, no. This full is disclosure: free, free advertising for what's up hot dog, basically at Hastings and Nanaimo. There, yeah. I mean, I was. Guys from one of the guys is from Brandon. I got Brandon to him Manitoba. One night, Brandon which, Manitoba. Uh, small, 
Interesting connection. We know a lot of people from Brandon. Yeah, no, and and he was doing karaoke last night. So I was out last night d- doing a shopping run, ended up at What's Up Hot Dog. That was the that right choice. A lot. <laughs> was, everything, everything good ends at What's Up Hot Dog. Uh, it was Tuesday night karaoke. Yeah. Place was jammed, great food. Man, a lot of people doing 90s karaoke there. And yeah. it's just... It was fantastic. What, what kind that, of music? Because it's got a bit of a um, like a like punk a punk rock, rock vibe. kind of vibe to it for sure. Yeah. Uh, there was some old punk rock tunes, um, but yeah, people were doing what Tom Petty, uh, right? You know, some. Did you uh, did you get up? Did you did you do any songs? No, no, I was I was uh, just observing last night. But I, uh, you know, one beer and karaoke don't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm big on karaoke. I mean, you are. I, you're I, actually you you get up all the time. I get up. I Sober, get up. Yeah. Well, not sober, no, but, <laughs> but I, I definitely go up occasionally. But I, I, you know what? I go to the American on Main Street there. Right. Uh, I've been which, to karaoke there as well. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, occasionally. I, we don't, like, we're not huge. We don't go to karaoke all the time. But if you're, if you're going out just for, like, a quick bite to eat and maybe a, a drink, yeah. why not go somewhere where there's karaoke? Like, it's, it's a wait, lot of entertainment. Wait, I'm curious. What are you guys' like, go-to songs for karaoke? Uh, that was, ladies and gentlemen, that was God. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was Braden piping up. Re- piping resident up. musician. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, in Asia, I did to a packed room of people in Japan, I did, um, you know, the animal song, uh, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, I think. Yeah. yeah. Don't oh, Let Me Be Misunderstood. One. That's a good one. Yeah, that's an easy song to sing. Uh, positive if you feedback? Got a, Did you if get you got positive a feedback? monotone, deep voice like myself? It's <laughs> like, wait a second. Who's got that? Who has that? Yeah, that was, that's going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah. But man, you, you must have a go-to. I mean, you, you're, you're frequenting the punk rock uh, yeah, yeah, places. No, no, I do, uh, my go-to, I'm not sure if everybody will be familiar with it. It's uh, it's a little song called uh, One-Armed Scissor by At The Drive-In. Oh. No, there's no, <laughs> no way. There's no way you can pull I, that off. I, I, I get very positive feedback. Very positive feedback. <laughs> also, don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. Also, that's never happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I got, I got presents. I actually, the I one thing presents. I will say before we get off the topic of karaoke. By the way, welcome back to the karaoke podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing I, I will say uh, quickly is that I can't believe like we went down to the American and watched karaoke and millennials. For some reason, like we we were teenagers in the nineties, yeah. And for some reason, like I always, when we, we were kids, you know, you think about like your parents' generation, which music kind of has the staying ha- power. Has the staying power. And I will always thought like, well, out of our generation, maybe it will be I don't know, hip hop, or maybe it will be Eddie like Vitter. punk rock, or yeah, grunge, or whatever. Nineties R and B seems to be very popular. It's for millennials that were kind so. of born in the nineties. Yeah. It's unbelievable that that was the music. Like I never thought that like Usher was gonna like early Usher was gonna carry on. Yeah, in this, and, uh, but in the karaoke world, yeah, it, it, yeah. Do you know how many times I've seen No Scrubs at karaoke? Oh, oh yeah, but that classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's Brady D, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Brayden, <laughs> thanks for sharing what you yeah, do at no, karaoke. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> Full so circle we got, here. We got a, a punk rock favorite, The Animals, and uh, the, No yeah, Scrubs. No Scrubs. Uh, all Classic. Right. But uh, anyways, Matt, quickly, what's going on in the market? Uh, market, yeah. So we're right at the end of September here. Interesting moment because we're a couple days out from seeing September stats, which will be on our site immediately once they right. come out. 
but yeah, it's kind of, it's an and, interesting. And just quickly, a breakdown of the stats as well, because what we're going to start doing is we've got actually a new way to interpret the stats as well, and we're going to have new graphs and charts coming out as well. So yeah, just check another out reason, our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. For sure. But yeah, what I was going to say is it's kind of an interesting moment. A lot of people are, well, listing agents, I should say, are right. not quite as confident as they were in the spring. Sure. Uh, and we've been talking about that. Yeah. It seems to be a, a, a in, you know, a real shift that's been happening right now where, you know, you used to put it on for 99 cents when you wanted $2 and fewer people are playing that game. Fewer people are playing that game. Some people that are playing that game right now and not even, you know, that game, but just waiting on offers are ending up on Tuesday with nothing. Sure. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's interesting. One bed's still very hot. Like we had a one bed this past weekend that got four four offers four on offers. And, uh, a really successful outcome. Yep. But uh, I had clients interested in a couple of properties I was watching and uh, yeah, they're still on the market now. Well, you know what? It's really still the tale of two markets, right? The detached market is soft. Um, not a lot of activity going on. A lot of stuff that's been sitting that yep. wouldn't have been sitting this time last year or the year and before. And at prices where it would not have been sitting, that's for sure. Exactly. And then we've got the condo market where, it, you know, especially the entry level price points are still very, very active. Mm-hmm. Mostly local buyers, it seems, and also people that are investing. Maybe it's a secondary property, maybe it's a, you know, a rental or, or whatever, um, a renovation. But there seems to be a lot of people out you know, looking kind of in the entry level markets, looking to secure a property. Yeah, right? that's that's still still the case for sure. So yeah. we'll wait to see on those. Yeah, uh, and stats. just a quick story about that on the on the high end of the market because we've got a listing that's actually in a much higher price point, and we actually just had a deal fall apart, collapse because of financing. And you know, the big issue there was. You know, there seems to be a lot of tighter restrictions on international money right now. We've talked about that before. Yeah. So that's often, I mean, if you were talking about China, China right now, is it's very tough to get money out of China. And then on the flip side, in Canada right now, there's been mortgage restrictions tightened up on international buyers. And even if they're putting 35% down, it's there's tighter caps on how much they can borrow. Not to mention the high dollar. Well, exactly. And the high dollar was actually the reason that the deal collapsed fundamentally because you know, at the end of the day, we're now over 80 cents for the Canadian dollar. And you think about how much money when you're putting, you know, 35% and up down that you would lose from bringing money into Canada right now, just on the conversion, right? Alone. So, you know, Canada, we we used to be on sale. It's becoming less. Yeah. With that Canadian dollar, I mean, Vancouver's less attractive internationally, I think now than it has been for since at least like 2014 in terms of the dollar. Absolutely, yeah. So Matt, maybe uh, without further ado, why don't we get to our interview with Klaus Road? Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Klaus Road, Managing Broker of the Property Management Division at Century 21. How are you doing, Klaus? Pretty good. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for taking the time, Klaus. Yeah, no worries. So, Klaus, can you just maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself? I know you've been on before, but uh, catch our listeners up. Yeah, so I've uh, been with Century 21 about three years now. Uh, We set up the uh, Property Management Division. Um, We started with four properties, and I'm personally handling about 120 right now. Wow. Did you, uh, but you were a property manager before you came to Century 21? Um, I was, but uh, this is a more active role being a managing broker. Right. So you oversee the property managers as well as yeah. being a property manager. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And you're originally from Germany. I am. Wow. What does that have to do with anything, Matt? Well, efficiency, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. 
Uh, so Klaus, how is the rental market right now in Vancouver? It's still pretty active. Uh, I've seen a bit of a slowdown for two-bedroom units, but so one-bedrooms and studios are still really hot, but we're still well below 1% vacancy, I would imagine. So last time I talked with you, Klaus, um, I think on the podcast, not literally because I talk to you almost every day, but you were saying that the Airbnb situation and, and the way that Stratas were cracking down on them put a bunch of one-beds into the market and there was a glut of one-beds. It sounds like that glut has been... Yeah, has the, been worked out. Those have been pretty much absorbed, but the two bedrooms are still there. And that's, I think, a lot of spillover from the Airbnb uh, two-bedroom units. Okay, so it's actually more challenging to for a landlord to rent out a two-bedroom right now. Yeah, especially furnished. Okay. Can you maybe walk us through, is there a, is there like a cutoff price point where it's it's more challenging to get a tenant in terms of like, is the sub $3,000 a month market the most active or is it all over the map depending on what it is? It, yeah, it depends on the, the size. So for one bedrooms, anything that's about 2100 or less okay. is pretty easy. Uh, once you get into the one and then at 2250, 2300, it starts to slow down. Uh, two bedrooms, the magic numbers seem to be somewhere between 28 and 3200. 28 and 3200. Yeah, and then okay. at, for the luxury rental, two bedrooms at you know 4500 to 5000, it's pretty tricky. Okay. And just to give us a range, that's typically a two bedroom that's about say 800 to a thousand square feet or so. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And if you were looking to rent a unit, one bed or two bed right now, would you be doing furnished or unfurnished? Unfurnished. And that's because of the Airbnb glut, right? Yeah, there was too many on the market and, and prices have come down. It's not really worth it. By the time you work in the expenses for utilities and all the other stuff that you have to take into consideration, you're better off having unfurnished. Unfurnished. So not only is the demand there, but uh, it's yeah. it's it's better right now all around. How about right now when, when we're talking about rentals, what are you seeing in stratas? Like we know, like Matt and I have talked about before where they're really cracking down on Airbnb and they're putting this minimum 28 days clause into the bylaws mm-hmm. are you seeing any anything else happen in terms of like are, are three months rentals still an option in most buildings <laughs> in, or six months yeah in quite a few there's the three months um there's a few buildings where they've now passed bylaws for one year minimum which is pretty much impossible for furnished right right yeah. so wh- where are people staying we don't have airbnb you can't do short-term rentals so we've got the movie industry from my understanding is hotter than it's ever been mm-hmm. Where are these people going? Well, it's, you can still get um, furnished uh, one-bedroom apartments or two-bedrooms for longer term. So, and a lot of the film industry tends to book four to six months. Okay. So, so they're sort of skirting all the bylaws in the building. I see. Hmm. Yeah. So, it's still, it's the buildings that are doing kind of the yeah. minimum three months. Yeah. Okay. Those, those are probably the best ones to to buy into as an investor. Okay. So, Klaus, we had you on before to talk about the rental market, and it's good to get caught up here. But what we're really after today is some tips for people that are looking to rent out their property themselves. So maybe as a first question here, what are some of the biggest mistakes landlords can make while looking for tenants? Basically, I think the biggest mistake is that they're not vetting their tenants properly, and then they end up with problem tenants. Yeah. Can you unpack that a bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically they're they're either too desperate to rent out their place and they take the first person that offers them good money or they don't write a lease. You should always have everything in writing. Um, or they don't even do the ba- most basic follow-up, verifying job, verifying income, verifying the you know anything with the last landlord. 
why they're moving. You know, I mean, if they're being evicted, chances are they're not very good tenants and you wouldn't want them. Right. So maybe can you walk us through your vetting process or a few factors that, yeah. you, that you check? I mean, we do, uh, well, we've got an application. So that's that's the main thing. And I really would suggest that any landlord should come up with their own application form, get some basic information, and then you, you basically do the process of elimination. You go down the application form and try to verify the information, employment history, income, I run a credit report, and I know a lot of people just ask for the credit score, which, I mean, gives you a good indication, but it doesn't give you any details. If you have a full decision credit report, uh, it gives you the details of where they've lived, the jobs they've had, the addresses. And if that doesn't, for whatever reason, line up with what you have on the application, it's a pretty good indication that there might be some things being skipped over or some lies being told. Right. Now, you do this every day, day in, day out. Yeah. Do you trust your gut? Pretty much. Really? Yeah. With all of this, it is still meet somebody face-to-face, shake their hand, yeah. get a sense of... Yeah, I, I don't rent any apartment site unseen. It's You You have to meet the person. Yeah. Because you, you never know. I mean, it's, it's the stuff... I mean, you know, if they steal someone's identity, the credit report could be perfect. The references could be perfect but they're not who they say they are. Right, right. And so you have to verify that by meeting them and seeing their ID. Interesting. So also Facebook plays a role. Yeah, Facebook is pretty good. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I Google people's names. I, I go on Facebook. Uh, a lot of people are getting better at hiding themselves on Facebook. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you do find some pretty good information. Nobody's anonymous. If there's somebody that applied for an apartment and you can't find anything, on social media anywhere. It's a bit of an old... Yeah, it's pretty a, odd. That's a red flag. Yeah. So can we maybe talk a little bit about your process from start to finish? So say you meet a, a landlord that wants to use your services. What's kind of, you know, post-agreement, what is kind of the first thing that you do? And so the we go and take photos, um, as many as possible. It's a minimum 24. Uh, and that's most um, websites will support a minimum of 24 uh, photos. Uh, and then you advertise on Craigslist. That's a good one. Padmapper, Walkscore, uh, Kijiji. Uh, some areas have local sites, like in Kelowna, for example, there's Castanet. Uh, so you do want to check out, you know, if there's anything that's local that might be a bit better. Um, I know in Vancouver, Craigslist is probably the best resource for a lot of people, but there you know, are a lot of scams on there, so be careful. Uh, and I found, depending on the location, sometimes... Um, Padmapper is better, uh, especially East Van, I find, for whatever reason. And then Walkscore is usually better on the west side of Vancouver, which I find odd, but it's once again, it's as long as you're advertising. So, okay, so you've given some good resources there. Uh, photos are important. Two questions about photos. You know, obviously, Adam and I have talked about real estate photos a lot on this podcast about the importance of professional mm-hmm. photographs. Do you get uh, professional photos done? And then the second question is, what if the place doesn't show very well? Yeah, so the photos, sometimes I get professional photos done, especially if it's high-end rentals. So two bedrooms that are, you know, about the above the $4,000, $5,000 mark. Uh, for one bedrooms and studios, it's generally not worth it because right. they'll rent before you can even get the photographer through. Mm. So, you know, so, you just, so in that case is... Um, and if the place, say there's a tenant in there when you're trying to rent it out... Do you put the photos up? I I try to edit them as best as I can. And when I do get the phone calls, I, I 
upfront. I tell people it's tenanted, it's in bad condition, it doesn't show well, be prepared. And that usually gets you through it. Yeah. So setting setting expectations. Yeah. How how do you set the the price? Like how do you know that you've got the right price as a landlord? So, well, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, you, you can go do the research, obviously, on Craigslist and PadMapper, see what the prices are in the neighborhood. Um, but you don't know if they actually are renting for those prices, No, they, they right? could be renting for a bit less. But the other big indicators, within the first two or three days, if you don't have enough inquiries, you're too high. Okay. It's it's that simple. Is it, do you have a magic number that you use, like four calls a day or something like that? Uh, if I'm priced right, I usually have about 10 to 15 inquiries. In the first, in in a day, in a day, okay, wow. Yeah, in in this market, yeah, that's that's not uncommon. And presumably, if you're getting ten, fifteen calls, you should have it rented pretty quick. Yeah. Do you ever end up with multiple offers, multiple um, bids? Well, we, yeah, I mean, we end up with multiple applications, but I don't, you know, we we don't compete on price. Okay. So, question for you, close. I was at a, a get together a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking to somebody who rented their house, and he actually told me. A story that I hadn't heard before. He said, I put it on for X amount, wasn't getting a lot of calls, put it on for considerably less, got multiple applications and bid up, asked people to bid, and he got the price he wanted in the end, like much like a real estate sale. Yeah. Uh, but I hadn't heard that in the rental market. Yeah, it's it happens, I think, more in the private end. It's professionals wouldn't do that. It's not very ethical. Um, that's what I thought. Yeah, tip, typically what you sort of advertise for that that's what you should be expecting right uh, because you can't discriminate you know once you're past that point on, on price i mean mm-hmm. if they're qualified at two thousand dollars they may not qualify at three thousand dollars because of economic circumstance right? and, and i wonder also if it's the it's two different roads to the same destination right yeah. i mean at the end of the day if you put it on at a low price and you end up getting market rent anyways i mean it i think it's easier to just set the rent for something yeah. that seems appropriate and well and also yeah my thought was most renters probably wouldn't be expecting the process that they had to go through to get that house right oh, yeah. pain yeah. So, Klaus, maybe can you share an area that maybe people are surprised by uh, in terms of the rental yields? Like, is there anywhere in Vancouver that when you say X rents for a top dollar and, and they say, really? Like, yeah. So, uh, there's pockets in New Westminster that are a bit higher um, than you would expect. Wow. Uh, and also Port Coquitlam, which has been surprising. It's the, I think, average one bedroom right now, we're getting 1400 Holy. In Port Coquitlam, yeah. Which, wow. you know, you're not getting that much more in downtown Vancouver. And the prices are definitely a lot lower to purchase. Where in, in Vancouver proper, do you have a kind of an area that you th- that you think is excellent for rent and maybe slightly underpriced? It's the easiest rentals are probably the Main Street corridor. Fraser Street is picking up and Fraser Street is probably the best value. Yeah, for renters or for, for investors? For investors. Yeah, because the, the rent is pretty similar to Main Street because mm-hmm. you're only a few blocks off. But... In terms of buying power, you do get more. Right, right. You get in at a better price. Yeah. Just moving back to the way that you market a property, one last question here. If you're having trouble renting it, do you repost? Yeah, we do. Do you find to, you can wipe the slate clean? Uh, if you sign up on Craigslist with, your, with an actual account, then you can refresh your post every few days. Uh, and when you delete it, it it gets taken off, and then you can repost it as a new listing, and that basically wipes the slate clean. Uh, with PadMapper, it's a bit more tricky. You actually have to take it off for a few days, um, just so that it gets deleted on all the various systems that it's on, and then you can post the new one. 
So Klaus, I was talking to a, a realtor from Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba recently, and he said, if you, 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 if you don't rent it out in the spring or summer, you're pretty much hooped. Like it, it, you can't like nobody moves in the winter. Nobody wants to move in the winter. And it's yeah. such a seasonal rental market. Do we have anything similar in Vancouver? No, not at all. I mean, it used to slow down a bit in the winter, but this year for New Year's, I had 12 move outs and movements. Uh, wow. It's the busiest oh, wow. I've ever been, which is, hey, I mean, nobody ever moves on a surprising. New Year's day, but it was really busy. Uh, and even this summer, it's July long weekend was busy. August long weekend was busy, which and, is was unusual, but it's it's pretty steady now in Vancouver. And and so we're going into right now. If there's anybody looking to get a place rented, we're going into heading into October. Presumably, anyone would be talking November first. Yeah. My assumption was November January would be really slow. It's but, typi- but typically, December is the slowest. Hmm. Even if they don't rent right from the first of January, they might take the fifteenth just to make an easier move two weeks space. So there's no period in which, you know, hey, if you haven't rented it by then, you got probably two months, three no, months, no, you're going to be sitting. Pr- pretty much if you're priced right, you're probably going to rent within three weeks. So hypothetical question for you. So I'm a purchaser. I take possession on, say, the third of my investment property. Do I Is is there the option of renting it mid-month or do I wait till the following month on the first to, to get my tenant placed? Yeah, if you're priced right, you can definitely rent it for the middle of the month. It's, it's going to be tricky doing showings, but I would start advertising early and say, you know, look, showings start on the 4th and then get as many people through as you can and try to get it for the 15th. Worst case scenario, you'll rent it out for the first, maybe for a bit more money. How do you go about showing it? Like, do you schedule it? Like, do you do an open house, basically? Or do you, are you uh, private showings? It's usually, I mean, for the higher end stuff, it's more private showings. But for one bedrooms and studios, it's basically an open house. Okay. Just get like, do you literally through. set like a, hey, I'm going to be there one to three? It's usually about half an hour to 45 minutes. And so you want to get people through at the same time. Is, is, is there any advantage also, also to pressurize the situation and so other tenants see that it's a popular listing? Or is it just no, kind of economical? It's just in economical terms of in terms of time. Time hmm. management and just getting the applications in and, and going on and renting it out. Do you have any strategies for people that are trying to rent a unit that's tenanted and the tenant it might not be the cleanest? It maybe doesn't show great. Or, or potentially it's vacant and, and, you know, the place looks smaller than it actually is, you know, stuff that we deal with on a day-to-day basis when we're selling a property. But how do you go about dealing with that in the rental market? Yeah, it's a little bit more tricky. I mean, with tenants, you, you can offer to have it cleaned. If it's extremely dirty, I would even get my cleaner through there. Yeah. Just offer the tenant a one-time clean uh, and then try to f- schedule all the showings on that day after it's been cleaned. Um that's probably one good idea. For smaller units, uh, I mean, I've even taken a, a queen-size air mattress into a bedroom before and blown it up just to show people that, yes, it does, in fact, fit. So so some sort of staging is actually, you're doing some sort of staging? Sometimes, yeah. You know, or, or even if you just take masking tape on the floor and just, you know, this this can fit here and this can fit here. Right. Uh, some people are better at visualizing than others. It's, you know, that's just the way it is. Can you, can we change gears here and talk a little bit about um, the contract and then also the addendums that you might add to the contract? So do you use the standard residential tenancy agreement? Yeah, it's from the residential tenancy office. Okay. Uh, the website, I mean, it's free for everyone. So any landlord can log on and use that. 
Um, there's some pretty good resources on there. Um, there's also a good guidebook for landlords and tenants uh, of what your rights and responsibilities are. Uh, for landlords, it's a pretty good idea to read through the manual and see what they can and can ask, and maybe what they can or can't put into the addendum. Um, and yes, we, we do have two pages. Non-smoking is one, and a lot of that is because most strata buildings don't allow smoking. So it just sort of reiterates that. This uh, is in the addendum. In the addendum, yeah. Okay, so you have an addendum. You add an addendum yeah, to the always. to the residential yeah, tenancy yeah. agreement. Another good one is no subletting. Uh, if you if there's strata bylaws against uh, subletting, um, or even just the the simple fact of that you want or expect the apartment back clean, uh, it should go without saying, but it doesn't always. So it's a good idea to just have it in there, have it in writing. These are the expectations when you leave. The kitchen is clean, the bathroom is clean, otherwise there will be a, a cleaning fee. Uh, now, with in terms of fees, I don't know if anyone saw the uh, the news story a few weeks ago on CTV. Right. Uh, you can't charge fees up front, so that's another really important thing for landlords to know. Uh, you can charge for the damage deposit and a pet deposit, and that's it. There's no additional fees allowed to be charged up front. All of that comes out in the end. So speaking about fees, what what is a typical damage deposit? What could it, what could a tenant expect? Well, the typical damage deposit or the legal damage deposit in, in British Columbia is half a month's rent. Okay. And then for a pet, it's an, up to an additional half a month's rent. So that's up to the landlord's discretion. Uh, they could charge you an extra hundred dollars or two hundred, up to maximum another half a month's rent. So it's not negotiable. You no. can't go over half a month's rent. No, no, that's it. Okay. Now on the contract, and we get this question occasionally. So there's the box that you can tick for either a fixed term rental or one that actually it just automatically moves to a month to month rental. Can you talk to that a bit? Yeah. I mean, right now we, we can still do fixed term leases and, and the whole intent behind that is basically if owners know they're going to move back into their space uh, to have the lease expire, tenant moves out, the owner moves in at no financial penalty to the owner. Uh, if you're on a month-to-month lease, the owner has to give two months' notice and pay one month's rent to move back in. Um, so this was introduced, I think, back in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now, with the fixed-term lease, the current government has talked about the fact that they do want to do away with that or clamp down on it because a lot of landlords have used this to basically end the lease, write up a new lease at a new price point. And so it just allows them basically to reset the rent every every year. Every year at a much higher level than what's legal. And and if they're not happy with the tenancy, look for new tenants. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, in that sense, it's not bad. It's just it's it's the rent increase that are the biggest issue I think that anyone is having because right now legally we can increase the rent four percent, but some people that use fixed term leases have increased their rents ten, fifteen, twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in Vancouver, we see a lot of rent evictions. We also see a lot of landlords that fly loose and operate outside of the residential tenancy branch guidelines. Can you talk, like, what, what are three legal options for landlords to break a, break a lease with, uh, with tenants? Well, you, you can't, if it's fixed as a lease, you can't really break it. I mean, you, you have to wait until it's on a month-to-month. Okay. Uh, so the, the lease precedes anything that, that uh, the landlord wants to do. Uh, so once they're on a month-to-month lease, then you can give them notice to either move in yourself, it has to be family, or to renovate, and it has to be 75%. Renovate 75% of the unit. So it's of not enough unit. just me putting down new floors or, or no. bringing out a can of paint. No, and and it's also worth pointing out that this 
this is if you sell the property, you're inheriting a lease. The same rules apply, right? Yeah, that's right. If if the lease is still in effect, the lease gets transferred to the new owner. Okay, so there's three options basically. So what about like a question for tenants out there? We probably have a lot of people that are renting that listen to the podcast. What what can you do to give yourself a leg up if you're a tenant applying for a rental suite? Um, well, if you, it starts basically when you're not even applying, when you're making the appointment. Give your name and your phone number. It, it's, it sounds so basic, but you know it, it's a lot easier for a landlord to get in touch with you if you email them your name and phone number, rather than just texting or emailing. It hey, it's still available. Yeah. <laughs> it's a personal pet peeve. Uh, and then show up on time. You know, it's it's not rocket science. Show up on time for your appointment and be polite, and then fill out the application. And if there's questions, the landlord will ask you. So first impressions matter quite a bit. They do. I mean, it's because you're working in the industry, but we've got five or six different appointments throughout the day. It's important that you show up on time because if you're late, it makes me late for every other appointment. Right, right. So it's just treated like a job interview. It's common courtesy. Okay, so maybe before we go here, Klaus, I mean, everybody hears about the nightmare tenant. Uh, Have you had any nightmare stories? It's luckily no nightmares yet. Which I, is kind of crazy because you, you have a lot of doors. I do. Uh, and you don't deal with a lot of nightmares. you you got a keen eye for picking them. I've, uh, I try to listen to my gut. <laughs> it's right. pretty much what it boils down to. Knock on wood. Right. Yeah. What about, <laughs> have you heard any nightmare stories in the industry? It's, uh, well, in the industry and from other people. I mean, it's I took over a place for an owner. I mean, he's an elderly gentleman. He had a house rented out. Felt sorry for the people because he was thought he was helping them out. They ended up just trashing the place, and uh, he had to go through a. I think it was about a four months, basically trying to get them out, evicting them. It was a long process. And you were helping him through this process. Uh, I was sort of guiding him along. Yeah. And did they destroy the place, or pretty much? So we're, they're in the process of renovating now, and uh, and then we'll be screening the property, and and I'll take over as manager. So. So Klaus, you know, you've got all this experience and you've got hundreds of doors. Where, if you were buying a rental property, where would you buy? And it doesn't have to be in, in Vancouver. Where in, in Canada would you buy a rental property right now? It's funny you should ask. <laughs> I, I actually just bought in Kelowna. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. And it's, it's a pretty good rental market up there. Uh, I'm feeling very confident about my decision. Yeah. Uh, if only we were realtors in Kelowna close. That's right. We'll set up an office. How about that? <laughs> so your place in Kelowna, is it, was it the cap rate that kind of brought you out there? Or the fact that it's got a very low vacancy rate and it's easy to rent? It's a bit of everything. It's a low vacancy rate. The price point was attractive for the size. Um, right. And uh, proximity to the university. So I think it'll be an easy rental. You maybe you'll get to use it one day as well. Yeah. It's a, uh, I find especially where this one is in Lake Country, um, most owners rent their places out from September till May or June and then use them in the summer themselves. Hmm. So that's more or less my plan. Oh, interesting. So, hey, Klaus, can you uh, stick around for the five wire? All right. Excellent. Rapid fire questions. Adam, you you do not sound excited about that. All right. So question number one, your favorite area in Vancouver? Gastown. Gastown. You live? I live in Gastown. Yeah. So wow! It's still my Have you always area. listened? To, you lived in Gastown. Uh, I've lived in Yaletown many years ago, probably about fifteen years ago. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. And you used to you used to own at uh, Ginger. Ginger. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss Ginger? Did you ever live in that unit? No, you didn't. I, you... I did not. It was too small. 
It's that was a studio. Yeah. It was a rental. That was a nice little unit, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so favorite restaurant or bar? Uh, Kisa Tanto. Wow. Just discovered that really good. Super nice room, too. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, one of my favorite places. Yeah, and the food is incredible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's Japanese-Italian fusion, is that right? That is that correct. That is correct. And uh, there's, a, there's a gnocchi dish there that will knock your socks off, Matt. Yours specifically. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for gnocchi. <laughs> uh, downtown Penthouse Close or Westside Mansion? Downtown Penthouse. Wow. Really? Yeah. That was yeah. quick. It's the view. No, right. No garden. Yeah. We didn't tell you it had a view. It's actually on a, a forest. <laughs> let let, me, let me finish. It's looking into a walk up on the West End. <laughs> yeah. uh, where do you bring someone from out of town the first place? First place is usually, I'd say, Whistler, the peak to peak, just to freak them out. Oh, nice. Actually, I've, that's I've a, been up there, yeah. Yeah, you, you've been there. I've, I've never done the peak to peak. Brayden? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, Brayden loves it. Brayden loves <laughs> it. There's a glass bottom. Yeah. You're laughing. Okay, yeah. last, last question. question. This is uh, goes back to your German roots. Yeah. Hans and Franz or Dieter from the Sprockets? I'd have to go with Dieter because <laughs> this conversation has become tiresome. <laughs> well, we're no, gonna, we don't. We're going to leave it there then. Uh, so, Klaus, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me online. Uh, go to my website, klausrode.ca. That's K-L-A-U-S-R-O-D-E.ca. Or right. rentinvancity.com. Excellent. And is there a phone number? 604-760-5856. Thanks Great. so much for taking the time, Close. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah thank appreciate you it. Thank you. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Close Road. Property manager at Century 21 in town realty, giving away all his secrets. So many secrets, Matt. I actually feel like, uh, I feel weird. I feel guilty for sharing so many secrets. I, I feel think like we I'm, just, we're gossiping or I something. I think we just put close out of business there. <laughs> no, no, I think if anything, close actually demonstrated why you need a property manager, right? I mean, yeah, it's, worth, uh, it's, it's worth it to have the property manager. It doesn't cost a lot of money and it takes away a lot of stress to get you top dollar, which usually covers whatever their fees are anyways. And at the end of the day, they give you great advice and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Close has so many secrets, right? He well, there's manages, also a reason he's got like 200 doors. Yeah, he's got a lot of doors for sure. So yeah. his secrets come from years of experience. And uh, yeah, he's one of the best in the business for sure. So if you're interested in talking with Close, definitely get in touch with him. Get in touch. And also speaking of getting in touch... We're so happy that so many people have been reaching out lately no for kidding, PCS, no for different projects, for just buying and selling real estate. Get on or the VREP email just, list. Yeah, or just even just to talk, you know. I mean, because that's the thing, right? And we actually we talk to a lot of realtors that reach out as well, which we love as well. Um, it's just great to be building the community and and having people reaching out and talking. It's, it's so engaging for us, and we really appreciate everyone getting in touch. Yeah. So if you want to just chat about anything or, or, or ask a question or have an idea for a show topic, feel free to Send us a, a, an email or give us a call, and uh, we love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, before I say my number, we should say PCS is one way you can get in touch. Absolutely. If you're not using private client services, you are standing still while the rest of us are speed walking by. Uh, spe- in, speed walking in, by in, in, in this aggressively colored jogging suit. In, in this Vancouver real estate market, that's for sure. It's yeah. VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. You can get in on my PCS, Adam's PCS, and what that does is it provides you with only the listings you want to see, sold prices and days on market, basically realtor level information, yeah. free of charge, no obligation. 
Absolutely, Matt. Yeah, and and one thing we should say, and I've said it before, was just speaking to a, a podcast listener, Marius, yesterday. Shout yeah, shout out to Marius. But I mean, he set up a PCS search himself, which a lot of people have been doing. Right. But uh, he was not seeing the types of listings he wanted to see. So if you if you'd like, uh, give me a shout at any time. I can set it up for you. Help call the herd seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com. And yeah. Adam and I also know how to set up PCS accounts as well. My number is <laughs> seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com. And you know what, Braden, would you set up a PCS account? We're I not, can definitely do that. No, you're not, not licensed. Sure. Oh, wait, oh, no, 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 I can't, no, no. But if you'd like to chat, Braden at scalinarealestate.com. Awesome. Okay, well, hey, have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Take care. Now's the time on Sprockets when we dance. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.